Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How many of you stayed up until midnight to say Happy New Year? How many of you stayed up until noon and said Happy New Year and then decided to go to bed at 7 or 8 o'clock? Yep, a lot of us. Um, I did not. Um, I, was, I was awake until uh, midnight. We barely helped. Well, actually, we, we did better than we thought we would. But uh, some of us, you know, might have napped. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> um, no, Wendy didn't nap yesterday. That was good. Um, but uh, as I get older, the struggle becomes more real to uh, stay up until midnight. Some of you are wiser than I am and have uh, gotten a good night's sleep. Uh, some people didn't get a good night's sleep and probably aren't here this morning because of that. But um, I just want to say that I, I personally I'm blessed this morning because I get to celebrate the first day of the new year with my church family. Uh, and even more importantly, I would get to celebrate our God in heaven, who we worship, who is the source of our spiritual food, our spiritual lives. And I'm just, just really blessed to be here uh, with you in 2023. So, you know what I'm going to ask next, right? You don't know what I'm going to ask next? <laughs> Resolutions. There we go. Wendy knew what I was going to ask. She's done this a few times before. Anybody make any New Year's resolutions? Does that, is that a thing anymore with people? No. Some people still make resolutions. Nobody wants to share? No? Tanya, no New Year's resolutions? Yeah, always. To um, just be kind and be a better version of me. All right. See, I like that resolution. <laughs> But the website Statista.com, they take a survey every year of all of these people. And they say, what's your New Year's resolution? What's your New Year's? And of course, they ask in like October um, so that they can publish this. And, and this year, they did the same thing. They, they polled people from ages 18 all the way to 89. And they said, what are your, what are your resolutions? And they came up with a top eight. Um, apparently, it's really not that common now to do resolutions. They could only come up with eight. Nobody could come up with 10 anymore. Uh, but number eight was reduce spending on living expenses, which is going to be really easy while inflation is high. <laughs> number seven, reduce stress on the job. That was a New Year's resolution that a lot of people uh, mentioned this year. Number six was spend less time on social media. How many of you might want to make that your resolution this year and then break it in like three days? Number five, spend more time with family and friends. That's a, that's a perennial favorite. Number four, save more money. Number three, lose weight. Uh, number two, eat healthier. And the number one resolution for 2023, exercise more. Did you know that only 9% of people who make resolutions are successful at keeping them? 9%. That means that about six of you would be uh, able to keep your New Year's resolutions. Most people give up. They either lose motivation or they're too busy. Uh, some say that their priorities and their goals shift throughout the year, which is valid. But for those who've made resolutions, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Okay. 
How many of you have ever made the same New Year's resolution year after year after year because you end up breaking it on January 7th? We do that. We, we make these promises. That's what a resolution is. It's a promise to ourselves that we want to change something or we want to be something that's better than what we think we are right now. We want to lose weight. We want to exercise. We want to save money. We want to do this. We want to do that. Spend time with family. But most of the time when we think about the new year, what do we think about? We think about new beginnings, and that's, that's actually been said here a couple of times already this morning. We think about new beginnings. Anybody ever see the movie Forrest Gump? Ah, most people have seen Forrest Gump. In the movie Forrest Gump, do you remember the scene on New Year's Eve when they're at the bar? And they're watching the TV, and they're watching Dick Clark's thing where the ball's dropping. And one of the characters, who's only in the film for about three minutes, makes a profound statement about New Year's. She says, don't you just love New Year's? You get to start over. Everybody gets a second chance. That is such a profound statement that the world makes about New Year's. We think of this time of year as the time where we'll start over, we'll hit the reset button, we'll do things differently, and we do things differently for a week. And then we're back to the way things were. All of these broken resolutions, one of the main reasons that people fail to make changes in their lives isn't because they lack motivation. It isn't because they, it's, it's just too hard. The main reason most people fail to make changes in their lives is because we remember everything. We remember everything. When somebody resolves to lose weight, I have resolved to lose weight every year for the last 45 years. When you resolve to lose weight, do you ever remember what it was like trying to lose weight all of the other times that you've tried it? How many of you have ever tried to lose weight and then you gained the weight back and then you tried to lose weight again and then you gained the weight back? Why is it so hard? Because we remember what it was like the last time. We were miserable. I ate a piece of lettuce for breakfast every morning. I drank a protein shake or a, what are those slim fast things, right? Which are horrible, by the way. Don't ever do that. But we do. We remember all of these things, and we remember how hard it was to try to make that change the last time. And, and by golly, we're going to make that change again this year, except we're going to remember all of the other past times when we failed. And eventually, that failure is going to come back to us, and we're going to say, you know what, forget it. I'm just not going to do it. Memory is a powerful thing. We are especially prone to remember things that we've done wrong. We're especially prone to remember our failures more than we are apt to remember our successes. Years ago, Wendy and I went to see this Broadway musical called Wicked. 
It's, uh, if you're not familiar with Wicked, it's uh, an alternative telling of The Wizard of Oz, where uh, the Wicked Witch of the West and Glinda the Good Witch of the North actually were friends, and they were roommates in college, and they were all, like, just, they loved each other. So there's this story, and we went to see this show. And between musical numbers, there was this scene change, and they were changing into the dorm room of these two main characters. And if you've never seen a Broadway show before, or if you've never seen a professional show, you, when, when you go and you watch, the, the scene changes are almost part of the show because they're like moving things in and they're moving things out and it's all electronic and mechanical and it's just m magical, right? That they do all of this stuff and we're watching all of these things. And during this scene change, the whole left side of the stage didn't show up. We saw, and, and, and they rolled all of these things out, and here comes this side of the stage with the one bed, and then over on the other side, nothing. And the character who was supposed to be having this side of the stage just kind of like walks on. And the girl that's on the other side of the stage sits there for about three, four seconds and looks at her and says, where's your bed? <laughs> And she says, I don't know. <laughs> and finally, about several minutes later, everything appeared. They were able to start. But if we had gone to see that show, if we'd gone to see Wicked, and everything worked perfectly, we probably would have walked out of there. We probably would have said, wow, what a great show, great music, great set, great cast, great everything. And about a week later, we'd have forgotten all about it. But we're still talking about it today. This was like, what, 15, 20 years ago. And we're still talking about it today because of that mistake. And if we think about the things that we remember the most, we remember our mistakes. We remember when things go badly. And this is especially true for us, even as Christians. But God doesn't want it to be that way. God doesn't want us to be dwelling on our mistakes. Do you know why? This morning, we're going to be reading in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And Isaiah is writing about God's relationship with his people, Israel. And we're starting in Isaiah 43, uh, uh, verse 16. And we're going to see why God doesn't want us to remember our mistakes. Thus says the Lord, who made a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. This is Isaiah describing God, the power that God has, the care, the provision that God gives to his people Israel. And he goes on and he says, this is what God told me to tell you. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. And God tells Isaiah why. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness 
and rivers in the desert. Everything is going to be new. Everything is going to change. And of course, then Isaiah writes about all of the ways that Israel has continued to remember the old ways and has basically ignored God throughout this time. And God, after he says, behold, I am doing a new thing, he says, I. Ah, I had a lot more slides in this than I thought. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your mistakes. I will not remember the times that you have acted against me, against my commandments. I will not remember those things. I am going to blot them out. Psalm 103, we read something similar. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. This is what God is talking about. As far as the east is from the west. Now we live on the earth, we live on a globe, right? We can start one place and head east or head west and eventually we'll get around to where we started. This is not that east from west. This is east from west where we start at a place and we go one way. And then we just keep going. It's an infinite line. This is what God is saying. I'm going to remove your transgressions. I'm not going to remember them anymore. I'm not going to dwell on them. And I think some God, sometimes God would ask us, if I'm not going to dwell on the things that you've done wrong, why are you? Why are you going to dwell on it? Why are you going to continue to let Satan lie to you? Why are you going to continue to be affected by those things that you've done in the past? I have made you a new creation. You're brand new. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation, a new person. Everything is new. Everything that's old is gone. All of that sin, all of those things that we dwell on, it's gone. He continues on, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Why does God not remember our sins? First of all, because he said he would. That is a promise that the Bible tells us. Second of all, God knows who we are. 
He knows our nature. He knows what happened when Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate it and disobeyed him. And he knew that was going to happen before he ever uttered the words, let there be light. That's why he planned to send his son, Jesus Christ. God does not want us to keep score of all of the ways that we've messed up. Because God doesn't keep score. In 1 Corinthians 13, one of the things that love is, love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, we use uh, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, all the time at weddings. Anybody ever have, uh, anybody have at their wedding, 1 Corinthians 13? We had our, at our wedding, we had it at our, our vow renewal. And it's a really great passage to read for husbands and wives to remember those things. But that's not why it was written. It was written to remind us that we are to love like God loves. And part of God's love is I don't keep a record of wrongs. He's not sitting up there in heaven with a heavenly abacus or a calculator or a ledger or anything like that and waiting to use our sin against us. He's not sitting up there saying, oh, now you're ready to start reading the Bible. Oh, now you're ready to start praying. Well, what about that time in your life when you were doing X, Y, and Z? You think that reading the Bible and praying is gonna make that all better? Who do you think you are? Why bother? If you have ever heard that in your mind, if you have ever thought that, I want to tell you something right now. That was not God talking to you. That was Satan talking to you. Satan is lying to you. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to serve others humbly. He doesn't want you to love as God loves. Because if you don't do those things, eventually you're going to step away from God. Eventually you're not going to have the relationship with God that God wants to have with you. And he'll tell you lies. He'll say, you have, you've never really been forgiven for that. Oh, you did this again? Yeah, God, God's not going to forgive you again. He will tell us all of these things. God tells us the exact opposite. God tells us that when we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways that God not only forgives us, he blots those sins out and he remembers them no more. And as we celebrate this new year, this, this idea of new beginnings, one of the first things that we can do is to start by not remembering the past not remembering and dwelling on the things that we've done. God wants us to look forward. God wants us to seek him. He doesn't, he's not worried about us seeking to, you know, better health or, or better eating habits or exercising more. He wants us to seek a relationship with him. He wants to see our spiritual lives grow and develop under Jesus Christ? What if we resolved 
to spend time reading and studying God's Word. Not just in private, but in small groups or in classes or, some, or in some other way with other people where we can get together and talk about what God is saying in His Scripture. How many of you have ever said, I want to know God's will for my life? I want to know God's will for my life. Guess what? It's there. It's in the Bible. God's will for everyone's life is right there. Now, God's will for your life is not necessarily where you're going to work or who you're going to marry. God's will is that we love. God's will is that we have a relationship with him. God's will is that we shine Christ's light so that others may have a relationship with him. That is God's will. What if we resolve to pray regularly, every day, maybe multiple times a day? What would that do to our relationship with God? And maybe just as importantly, what would that do with our relationship with other people? We think of prayer as communication with God, right? We're talking to God, and we pray to worship Him. We pray to thank Him for His blessing and His provision. We pray to confess our sins. And we pray in something called supplication. And supplication is one of those big Bible words that basically just means asking for things. In supplication, we humbly ask God for healthy family, good job, his provision. But what if we started supplicating? What if we started humbly asking God not just to bless our families, not just to bless us? What if we started asking God to bless our enemies? What if we thanked God for our enemies? What if we confessed our sinful thoughts or actions toward our enemies and asked God to forgive us for those things? Would our attitude towards our enemies change because of praying for them? I mean, really, like earnestly praying for them, not, you know, Father, I thank you for my next door neighbor, you know, the one who built his fence six inches over my property line and now he's being a poopy head about it. Not that kind of prayer. But a prayer that says, Father, forgive me for all the horrible things I've thought about doing to him and to that fence. Help me to be a better neighbor and to remember that all that I have comes from you and belongs to you including that six inches of property. Give me the strength to forget about the fence and give me the courage to learn to love my neighbor. Help me to shine Christ's light in our relationship and to provide a witness to him while the Holy Spirit works to reconcile him to you. What would that do to our attitudes? As we pray for our neighbors every day, do you think that our attitude will change? I would hope so. Would you be more likely to maybe, I don't know, talk to your neighbor? Be friendly with your neighbor? 
Invite them over for dinner? Have a barbecue? Talk to them about Jesus Christ? Revelation 21, 1-7 tells us that life after the final judgment day of God, where there's a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21, 1-7 describes this new heaven and this new earth. And then in verse 3, John, the writer of the book, says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The same thing that God said to Isaiah for the people of Israel. Jesus Christ from the throne says, for all people. If we truly love God, Jesus tells us we're also going to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it is not God's will that any should spend eternity apart from him. It is not God's will that any Remain dead in spirit, forever mourning and weeping and feeling pain. God's will is to wipe every tear from every eye, to end death and mourning and crying and pain for every person on earth. Everybody. God says his dwelling place will be with man and he wants every man and woman to dwell there with him. If we're going to resolve to do anything this year, let's resolve to think like God. Let's resolve to assign eternal value to every person that we meet because they are eternally valuable to God. If we're going to desire anything this year, let us desire that every person that we meet would say yes to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin and invites them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us desire that they will say yes. And if we're going to pray this year, let us pray earnestly that God's will be done. God's will Every person should know eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us resolve to pray like that in 2023 and for the rest of our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today. Father, we thank you that we measure time through your Son, Jesus Christ's coming. 
We thank you that we can look at a calendar and we can see Jesus right there. We are in 2023 because 2,023 years ago your son was born. And all time before that, we measure as the time before he was born. <coughs> but Father, we also know that you are eternal. You are the beginning and you are the end. And you desire that all people would come to you. Father, make that our desire as well. Put into us a spirit of shining Christ's light. Put into us a spirit of forgiveness so that when our neighbor does us wrong, they'll see that forgiveness. They will see something that's different from anything they've ever seen before. And we'll be able to tell them why. be able to give them an answer for the reason, for the hope that's in us, and that's Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you would help us to step forth boldly into the world, starting today, to shine Christ's light on every person that we meet. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.